Well, what's good, Rocky Peak? How are we doing this weekend? Hey, it is great to be with you once again. And we're excited that you're here. If you're joining us inside the worship center, joining us out on the patio, or you're joining us online, especially special welcome to those of you that are joining us or watching for the very first time. Welcome to Rocky Peak this weekend. If you and I have not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Dre, I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and we're going to go ahead and go into that time of teaching. So as Scott invited you to do, you're going to want to go ahead and get that green and white message note sheet handy. You're going to want to get your Bibles, whether physical or digital, ready to go. And I'm going to pray to lead us in, but specifically, I want to focus our prayers. This is a big weekend at Rocky Peak when it comes to our kids' ministry, as well as it comes to our middle school and high school ministries. This is what we call move up weekend. And so that means that all of our students are now moving up and transitioning into the grade they're going to be in in the fall. And so our RPK kids are experiencing new classrooms. This morning, middle school welcomed a brand new group of sixth graders. And last night, high school welcomed a brand new group of freshmen. And so as the adults of Rocky Peak, it's important that we stand and pray with those students, their families, and those ministries. So let's do this together. Jesus, I want to thank you for the gift that Rocky Peak is a multi-generational church. I want to thank you that that begins here in the weekend service. That for those of us on campus, as we look around this room or the patio, we see different ages. We see different stories. I want to thank you that that is not limited to this space. But again, as we go out into the campus, there are kids, there are students, there are young people, and there are various ages of caring adults volunteering with them each step of the way. Jesus, I want to thank you that the gift of being multi-generational is that we learn from each other. We have opportunities to teach each other. We have opportunities to learn from one another. I want to thank you that this is the example we have as the church to go into your word that we can learn from the Christ followers, the generations that came before us. So Jesus, I want to pray for the families at Rocky Peak. I want to pray for the volunteers that serve so diligently with our youth and our kids at Rocky Peak. I want to pray for anybody that interacts with a different generation than theirs, that they would shine and reflect the truth of Jesus. And so Jesus, as we transition into our time of teaching, as we open up your word, which is living and active, as a communicator, as I often do, I pray the words of John the Baptist, that I would become much, much less and fall at the wayside, and you, King Jesus, would become so much more in our eyes, in our hearts, and in our lives. And it's in your name, King Jesus, that we all said, amen. Rocky Peak this week, and we're going to be continuing the series we've been in for the last several weeks called Christ, Culture, and the Cross. And what this series has been, this series has been an in-depth study in one of the most important letters in the New Testament of our Bible, the letter of 1 Corinthians, which was written by the Apostle Paul. And what we've been learning throughout the city is that Paul is addressing this letter to a major city, to a very cosmopolitan city, in fact, to one of the most strategic cities in the entire Roman Empire at the time, the city of Corinth, located in southern Greece. And again, what we've learned throughout the series is that the church at Corinth started strong, that there was an amazing supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that revealed Jesus through his cross to this church, 
and they were experiencing transformation. They were experiencing the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. But now three years later, the Apostle Paul is writing to address the fact that as a church, they had begun to drift that as Michael has been putting it, they were now following the vision and values of the culture around them rather than following the vision and values of the culture of the cross of Jesus. I really like how Michael has summed it up each and every week. This is one messed up church. And the church at Corinth serves as a cautionary tale, as a warning to us today. But the church of Corinth should also serve as hope and inspiration for us today. Because the Apostle Paul writes to Corinth because he does not stop believing in the church at Corinth. The Apostle Paul writes to Corinth to remind them that Jesus has not stopped believing in them. For us today, these words, the Apostle writes because Jesus still believes in you. Jesus still believes in his church today. And so as we go into our passage, we're going to be kicking off 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and Paul is going to return to this issue of maturity and immaturity, and really when it comes to the individual things that are making them drift, the root of it is immaturity, the fact that they have defined maturity in the wrong ways. I like there on the front of your note sheet something Michael said in week two of this series. They, the church of Corinth, have not followed the way of Jesus and his cross, they have followed the way of the culture, and as a result, they think of themselves as incredibly wise, but the reality is that spiritually, they're still in diapers. The best way to measure our maturity is by our transformation. What does maturity look like? It looks like the cross. And again, in week two, Michael laid out this fundamental question that is going to serve as the foundation of the entire series that we are going to ask over and over again in various ways, how do you measure maturity? How do you measure spiritual maturity? And so as we go into our passages today, we're going to see through the Holy Spirit that the apostle begins to paint a very clear picture for us. So there in your note sheet, you've got a section titled Pursuing Solid Food. If you've got your Bibles, open them up, got an app, turn them on. We're going to be going to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to be starting right at the top at verse 1. And the Apostle Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Okay, let's stop right there. There is a lot of heat that the Apostle is throwing down in those two verses, right? Often as a teacher, you've heard me say that I'll lead you to highlight specific words or specific phrases. Family, we've got to highlight the entirety of these two verses because there is a lot to unpack here. And so the first thing that I want to draw your attention to is how Paul addresses them as brothers and sisters. He is making it very clear that he is speaking to family. He is speaking to his spiritual family. He is speaking to the church family. He is not speaking to those outside the name of Christ. He is not speaking to those who have yet put their faith in the cross of Jesus. He is addressing them as a loving older brother and he is lovingly but sternly saying, family, you need to grow up. 
And one thing that we need to understand is the words of the Apostle Paul are not limited to the church of Corinth. We need to hear this to us today. Church, it is time to grow up. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying, again, in strong language, you are acting like spiritual infants. You are not acting like spiritual grown-ups. See, when we come to give our lives to Jesus, we are given God's Holy Spirit as a seal, as a marker, as a teacher, as a source of our power and our hope moving forward. But as Michael has put it over the years, as long as we are on this side of heaven, we are always going to feel a, a, a tug back to the dark, a tug back to sin, a tug back to darkness, a tug back to who we were before the cross of Jesus changed everything. And Paul is presenting this contrast, that this is the difference between maturity and immaturity. And again, Paul is using strong language. He calls them infants. He is saying that you are not ready for solid, for, for solid food and we need to understand something. The Apostle Paul is not taking joy in calling them out in this but he is pleading with them. He is charging with them because he knows if we are to grow up then we need to face the truth about our current condition. We need to face the truth about who we currently are, about where we currently are because there is no such thing as growth without truth. And so if we are going to grow, we need to understand that we are struggling with this and specifically core the struggling that they are truly internally not the age that they externally present themselves to be. Think of it this way. There are many times in which somebody's biological age does not match their emotional age. Throughout my life, I have known some incredibly, incredibly emotionally wise young people and some incredibly, um, incredibly unwise older adults that are emotional infants. And so Paul is saying, church, despite the show you put on, your external does not match the internal. Now, I need to pause right there and highlight one more thing, Rocky Peak. It can be easy to read a passage like this and to immediately think of how this applies to other people. It can be easy to read this passage and to weaponize it and go, yes, do you know who needs to hear this? That person in my life group. Do you know who needs to hear this? My spouse. Do you know who needs to hear this? And maybe they do, but we would be doing the Apostle Paul. We are doing the Holy Spirit a disservice if we don't stop and realize this passage is speaking to us first and foremost. Rocky Peak, I believe in revival in our nation. I believe in revival in our state. I believe in revival in our community but it's not going to happen unless our hearts change first. And so we would be doing God a disservice this weekend if we read this and don't start with our hearts. So again, hear what the apostle is saying, grow up. But he's saying it as family. This is stern and hard, but he's saying it as somebody who's rooting for us. He's saying it as somebody who believes in us. He's reminding us, hey, milk is a great thing and a necessary thing, but milk is intended to lead you to something more. And the beautiful thing about the cross of Jesus is the cross of Jesus is both our milk as well as our solid food. Our spiritual journeys began 
because the Holy Spirit opened our eyes and we had an experience with the cross of Jesus. Our spiritual journeys continue because the Holy Spirit continues to open our eyes to see that the cross of Jesus is far more than simply a beginning of our story, but it is the foundation that now impacts every last thing about us. And one thing I want to highlight again before I leave these verses, Rocky Peak, he's using strong language, but we need God's word to speak to us like this. We need this accountability. We need this loving rebuke and sternness to go, Dre, I need you to grow up. And so he continues in verse three. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Would you underline or highlight that phrase? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? And so as we unpack this, Paul is going back to one of the most significant conflicts in this church. He addressed this in chapter one, that the church was experiencing significant divisions. The church was at war with itself over who the better, the most spiritual leader there was to follow. And Paul is taking that as an example of their immaturity. In other words, Paul is going back to that conflict and going, that is not how spiritual adults behave. That That is not how spiritual adults conduct themselves. But I want you to understand that by saying this, Paul is entering the danger, so to speak. There is a lot of tension here because the church of Corinth would not agree with him. Paul is looking at this vision and saying, this is proof of your immaturity. They would likely respond, what are you talking about? This is proof of our maturity. We're fighting for the maturity of our church. We're fighting for the health of our church. We're fighting to eliminate the immaturity in the people that don't agree or think exactly like I do. And once again, Paul is saying, no, 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 no. You've got it wrong. This is not what grown-ups do. And again, the more that I open my heart to the church of Corinth, the more I realize how relatable they are to me. I'm not going to make you raise your hand because I don't want to put you on the spot. But how well do you take a rebuke of your maturity? How well do you take a rebuke of your spiritual maturity? In fact, longtime Christ followers, how well does that go down? Oh, it got real awkward in here, didn't it? Because I know from my heart, all of a sudden I feel those emotions. How does that impact the way you see that person? How does it impact the way you see the issue? How does it impact the way you think about them or think about the issue? And again, it's nuanced and it's varied, but we can relate to this, but we need to understand the point. Paul is saying that is not how spiritual grown-ups act. And so let me really illustrate what he's trying to drive home by painting a picture. Let's say after service, you run into me at a place like Porter Ranch. You know, they have a lot of outdoor seating. And you run into me and you come say hi, which I love it when you do. And I'm just out there having my lunch. And as you approach me to say hi, you notice that as I'm having my lunch, I'm sporting one of these bad boys. I am looking good, thank you. And not only am I sporting one of these bad boys, but this is what I'm having for lunch. Having some apples and having some blueberries. 
Now imagine trying to have an adult conversation with me <laughs> as this is happening. Hey, how are you doing? It's nice to meet you. How was your week in Rocky Peak? Mm. Praise God. I'm really glad to hear how the Holy Spirit was moving in your life. Very quickly, you would think something is odd about this, right? In fact, you're thinking about that right now. Something is odd about this, and it's not very hard to understand what is wrong. I am 40 years old. Now imagine as we're talking, I even say seemingly mature things. Oh, I'm just having my lunch while I'm studying some more Roman culture, some anthropology, trying to understand their pantheon of gods, really trying to dig into the theology of ancient culture. I've also got my laptop open, got QuickBooks and Excel. I really care about my children's future, trying to diversify my funds, trying to make this all happen. You wouldn't hear any of that, right? You would be sitting there going, you are a grown man, wearing a bib, eating baby food. And as I see some of your cell phones going up, I guarantee you this is, <laughs> this is gonna end up being the thumbnail on YouTube. It's not bad, by the way. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's pretty obvious as I'm in this getup that unless I'm sitting with an infant trying to teach him how to eat, this is not what adults do. This is not what grown-ups do. And so again, what the Apostle Paul is saying, church, this is not what spiritual grown-ups do. And again, he is stern and he is to the point, but please do not lose sight of the truth that he is writing with hope. He is writing with belief. The Apostle Paul is encouraging them and encouraging us, grow up because you have been invited by the cross of Jesus to be so much more. I had you underline the phrase, Paul is saying you're acting like just humans. Just humans is not the people that inhabit the reality of God. When that cross saved you, when that cross invited you from death to life, now Jesus has put a mark on you that says you are now more because of him, because of what he's done, because of forgiveness and grace and hope. You are now more because of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is a loud declaration. Christ follower, you are meant for so much more. What we call at Rocky Peak to live in God's epic vision. And so again, Paul is saying grow up because that way you can experience the beauty, the glory, and the majesty of the cross of Jesus the King. Now, with that, again, it raises this question, so what does it look like to be a spiritual grown-up? Earlier in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, the apostle, as he talks about the Spirit, he encourages us to put on the mind of Christ, meaning to put on the character of Jesus. And so what I want to do is I want to go back to a passage from Paul's letter to the Galatians that we looked at briefly in week two of the series. It's there on inside your note sheet, Galatians chapter five. And before we jump in, a little bit of context. See, Paul is writing to the Christ followers in the ancient city of Galatia. And these Christ followers, this church shares share certain similarities with Corinth. They had begun strong because of work of the Holy Spirit, but they too had begun to drift. Specifically, this group of people called the Judaizers had come in and began to teach them that Jesus alone is not enough, that if they truly want to be the people of God, they need Jesus as well as they need to put themselves back under the law and tradition of the law 
laws of Moses in the Old Testament. So Paul is addressing this as he writes them. And so for some of you that are longtime Christ followers, these passages are going to be familiar. And with that, I want to invite you to take a spiritual deep breath and to allow the Holy Spirit to remove some filters and for you to see it as he intends. And so there in your note sheet, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Underline or highlight the words contrary, the fact that he uses it twice. Again, this beauty that because of the cross of Jesus, we are now meant to be radically different creations. The old life, the old way of doing things, what used to make sense is no longer compatible with the kingdom of God. As I've often said, we are not meant, we have not been saved by the cross of Jesus to be slightly different versions than who we were before. We have been saved by the cross of Jesus to become radical new creations who now view everything differently through the lens of his cross. And it's not there in your note sheet, but he begins to then list out specific fruits of the flesh, meaning fruits of the old life. And then as we get to verse 22 in your note sheet, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, which underline or highlight that, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so what Paul is painting is a very clear picture of what it means to be a spiritual grown-up, regardless of your biological age, what it means to be spiritually mature, what it means to be spiritual, if you will. What Paul is painting a picture of is that when the Spirit is truly in control of our lives, it will lead to a transformation of our character. Now, first and foremost, we need to understand that again. Remember who Paul is addressing. He's addressing the church. They have received the Holy Spirit. But what we see from the first Corinthians passage, there is a significant difference between merely having the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit truly being in control. There is a significant difference between merely having the Spirit and the Spirit truly being in control of our lives. And in Galatians 5, Paul is showing us the result of the Spirit being in control of our lives. That at the core of our identity, our character is going to be transformed not to do good things. But did you catch something in that list? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the character of Jesus. This is the identity of Jesus. This is who Jesus is. 
who Jesus has always been and always will be. This is exactly how Jesus loves each and every one of us right now in this moment. And so what Paul is saying, when the Spirit is truly given control, when the Spirit is truly unleashed, then what that act of maturity that the Spirit leads in our life is that we are now transformed to be reflections of the character of Jesus himself. And what I love is that spiritual maturity is not rooted in circumstances, but that the character of Jesus is meant to transform us so that we can be dropped into any set of circumstances. And because of the character we now have, we therefore impact and transform the circumstances around us. Let's just take the example of kindness as one of the works and the overflows of uh, of the Holy Spirit. Notice it doesn't say, show a spiritual kindness when it's deserved. Show a spiritual kindness only to those who agree and walk with you. Show a spiritual kindness when it's convenient. Paul is saying, no, 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 no. What's going to change the world is a spiritual kindness that reflects the kindness that Jesus has shown us. One thing that is beautiful about the fruit of the Spirit is understanding the context. It was not written originally for children. I think sometimes when we hang out in church long enough, we see this as a beautiful sheet that children color in. And hear my heart, this is something we should be teaching our children regularly, but the fruit of the Spirit was written to a group of adults that had lost their way. And Paul was saying, this is how we grow up. This is how we come back, and this is how we change the world. Now, let me make a quick sidebar here. You know, yesterday, as I was just preparing for this time of teaching, I was spending some time in this passage. And unexpectedly, the Holy Spirit moved, which is often how he does. And in my heart, I felt a deep conviction. I felt a weight. I felt a burden. I began to get teary-eyed and emotional. As I began to realize the Holy Spirit is asking me this question, Dre, as an adult, are you modeling this? for the youth and the kids and the generations coming up after you. I began to feel that burden for us as the adults of Rocky Peak that when our youth, when our students and our kids and our preschoolers and our babies look at us, do they see this? And I felt this conviction, but I also felt the Holy Spirit provide hope and say, Dre, this is our opportunity. This is what the apostle means when he says, grow up. Because when you do, things are going to change. I had you underline the word crucified, and if you've been with us in the series, you know that that is a very powerful word in their culture. In fact, a very offensive word in their culture. It's a word, as Paul uses it intentionally, he's declaring, hey, this is serious. Do not miss this. But again, he follows it with the word walk, that our journey is not about separated moments, but it's meant to be a life interconnected by the cross of Jesus, that there will be victories, there will be failures, there will be everything in between. But as we walk, we walk under the leadership of the Holy Spirit that King Jesus has given us. 
And so what I want to do next is I want to go ahead, and those are the passages I want to spend some time with this week. And, and like I often do, I want to unpack some truths that come out of these passages. Specifically, I want to unpack three truths. But not only do I want to unpack some truths, but with each truth, I want to provide with you an invitation, an opportunity to pray over each specific truth in your own one-on-one time. Something you've heard me say often when we leave our passages is that I would charge you, I would implore you to spend some unrushed time in the next 24 hours with these passages. Let the Lord speak to you directly. And with that, I wanna equip you with some simple but profound prayers to be able to say to the Lord as you are wrestling, as you are growing, as you are following his leading in this. So there in your note sheet, you've got a section titled, Growing Up, Pursuing True Maturity. And your first fill-in is this. Growing up requires the Spirit's leadership. Growing up requires the Spirit's leadership. All three services, man, that baby food leaves an aftertaste. We saw in our time in 1 Corinthians that there is a difference between merely having the Spirit and the Spirit truly being in control of our lives. And any type of growth, any type of maturity, any type of growing up has to start here. It does not happen without the Spirit being our authority, without us placing ourselves under the leadership and the authority of the Holy Spirit. This is the foundation on which all other aspects of maturity is built on, is us as Christ followers individually, as families, as married couples, as single adults, as well as a community choosing to submit ourselves to the authority of the Spirit that God has given us because it is when we submit ourselves that the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does best, which is unleash maturity in our lives. And when the Holy Spirit is unleashed, not only does that transform us individually, but his work then overflows and transforms everything else. Hear me clearly on this. Growing up is not something you or I are capable of doing on our own. It's not going to happen on what I know. It's not going to happen on my rhythms or my practices themselves. Growing up requires the work of the Holy Spirit. Just as we've talked about in this series, coming to Jesus required the Holy Spirit opening up our eyes. I cannot grow up unless I am under the leadership and the authority of the spirit that God has given me. There in your note sheet from chapter two of 1 Corinthians, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. In other words, if growing up all rested on my shoulders, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I don't know what I don't know. And God has graciously given us his spirit to be our teacher, to be our leader, to be our authority, to be our accountability. And one of the most important aspects of that is that the Holy Spirit sees what you and I cannot. 
And when it comes to growing up, one of the most mature things we can do is acknowledge the fact that as limited, broken human beings, we have blind spots. When it comes to our maturity, we have blind spots. And if you think about a blind spot when you're driving in your vehicle, blind spots can be annoying and frustrating, but blind spots also very quickly and unexpectedly can become incredibly dangerous, can't they? We have blind spots, and often our blind spots come, to, come in the realm of our maturity, and I've said this before, that I assume too much. Often as Christ followers, we look at our lives and go, yeah, my life is under the authority of the Holy Spirit. I'm listening and following. I'm not holding anything back. Yeah, God is doing what he's doing. Woo. We look at fruit, so to speak. Yeah, I'm at church all the time. And I serve. I'm in a life group. I have these rhythms. And hear me, those are very good things as we look to grow. But often, we are approaching those things with blind spots. Remember, the church at Corinth did not view their significant divisions, their sexual sin, their infighting, their disunity as a blind spot. They viewed it as a result of their maturity. And so what Paul is imploring them, what he's imploring us, hey, you can't see the truth. So instead of depending on your limited sight, depend on the Holy Spirit who has no such limitations. And so with that, as you go before the Lord sometime in the next 24 hours, as you go before him with those passages, I would invite you to say a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Holy Spirit, Open my eyes to any area that is not under your leadership. Open my eyes to any area that is not under your leadership. And in particular, what's powerful about that prayer is that often the areas that we have held back willingly or without us even noticing have been held back because of sin. The Holy Spirit isn't simply going to say, finances. The Holy Spirit is going to begin by saying finances and reveal a root of sin that is holding that back. The Holy Spirit isn't just generally going to say, anger. The Holy Spirit is going to begin there, but then begin to reveal a root of sin. The Holy Spirit at times is going to bring up things that are seemingly good and great because they are. The Holy Spirit might say, you're parenting and begin to reveal roots of sin that are holding that back from his authority. Now for some of us, we would look at this prayer and it feels intimidating and if not dangerous, but this is the right type of danger for us Christ followers. But let me encourage you, there are many of you that are gonna go before the Lord and you are gonna say this prayer and the Holy Spirit is going to begin to speak. But there are many of us in which we're gonna go before the Lord, we're gonna say this prayer and the Holy Spirit is going, before I begin to reveal things to you, your heart needs to be ready. Because I don't know about you, but when I know I'm gonna go into an uncomfortable conversation, I just wanna rush through it. 
I just want it to be over quickly. But the truth is when I do that, it's a very half-hearted and I'm half-listening. And so there are some of us, there are many of us that we're gonna go before the Lord, we're gonna say this prayer and the Holy Spirit is gonna say, I am here and what I need from you right now is to sit, to listen, and to wait. Sit, listen, and wait. Because the Holy Spirit is gonna speak when it's ready but the Holy Spirit is going to speak to a heart that is ready. And for some of us, the beginning of this prayer is to sit, to listen, and to wait. And again, there might be some intimidation, but I would hope that we would pray this with the same foundation that the Apostle Paul wrote the passages with hope. We are not praying this because the Holy Spirit is going to condemn us to a life of guilt and shame. We are praying this because the Holy Spirit is inviting us to experience a bigger work, to experience his work unleashed in your life in a brand new way. Growing up requires the Spirit's leadership. Now the second fill in, growing up is rooted in a transformed character. Growing up is rooted in a transformed character. As we've seen, when the Spirit is truly given control, when the Spirit is unleashed in our lives, the result is a character that has been transformed to resemble the character of Jesus. The result is we begin to be very real reflections of who Jesus really is. Therefore, that now becomes our heart. The character of Jesus now becomes our identity. Therefore, anything we now engage with, anyone we now engage with, any circumstances we now enter into, whether good, bad, or anything in between, are all going to be dealt with, are all going to be impacted, are all going to be rooted in a character that resembles the character of Jesus the King. There on your note sheet, we see that this isn't an isolated teaching, but we see this throughout the New Testament. Paul writes to the church at Colossae, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I think what is absolutely extraordinary to me about this, about what we read in Galatians chapter 5, is that the church at Corinth, the church in Colossae, the church in Galatia, the early church of Jesus, they were growing up in a hostile culture. They were growing up in a government that was against them. They were growing up in a society that at best viewed them as peculiar, but often viewed them as dangerous, viewed them as offensive, viewed them as foolish and stupid, viewed them as attacking their way of life. In fact, some of you remember a couple weeks ago, Michael talked about that the early church of Jesus in the Roman Empire, because they had abandoned the worship of multiple gods and adopted the worship of the one true God, were viewed as the atheists in their culture. And what Paul is reminding us, this is what changes things. The character of Jesus. Clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. And then he goes on in verse 17, and whatever you do, 
whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. And what was understood in this culture is that name meant identity. Name meant character. And so whatever you do in word and in deed, whatever circumstances you encounter, whatever the culture throws your way, do it all in the character of Jesus because that is now our foundation and what the Holy Spirit is inviting us to is to now be known by that character. The Holy Spirit is asking us to grow up so that in our relationships, our friendships, our dating relationships, or our marriages, our singleness, our relationships with exes, we would be known by the character of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is inviting us to grow up so that in our relationship with our kids or young people around us, in our relationship with our own parents, in our relationship with our siblings, in our relationships with grandkids, whoever it may be, that we would be known by the character of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is inviting us to grow up so when it comes to finances or the lack thereof, when it comes to how we think and understand sex and sexual identity, when it comes to how we see hopes and dreams, when it comes to how we suffer, when it comes to how we experience loss and heartbreak, that we would be known that we engage it all through the character of Jesus the King. That this is what we're known for. Let me illustrate it this way. I'm sure it would come to absolutely no shock to any of you that I've been watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus. And this series takes place in the lore of Star Wars, like several years before the original Star Wars movie, A New Hope. And so in this era of their universe, of their story, the Jedi are all but extinct. And the remaining Jedi are in hiding, they're hiding for their lives. And so Darth Vader, who is super cool in this series, Darth Vader, has put together this extermination squad of hunters called inquisitors. And the job of these inquisitors is to go out throughout the galaxy and to eliminate the remaining Jedi. And in the very first episode of this series, they share one key way that they track the Jedi. They say this, Jedi cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. Imagine as the church of Jesus if this was said of us. Imagine if what was said by the culture around us is I may significantly disagree with those Christ followers. I may think they are nuts, but they can't help what they are. They are joyful, they are loving, they are kind and compassionate. They're humble. They're gentle. They're unified. You know, I remember reading a thesis about the early church in the first three centuries, and it quoted multiple historians that thought that the church of Jesus was absolutely bonkers. 
But one thing they kept coming to is they would acknowledge that the church of Jesus was, uh, was experiencing significant uh, persecution. And many Roman ancient historians would say, we are amazed at how well this group of people are loving the people that are murdering them. This is our opportunity. This is how we fight. This is what changes things. And that leads me directly into the last villain. Oh, excuse me. That leads me into our prayer. As you go before the Lord, I want to invite you with Galatians 5 open to pray, Holy Spirit, which one of these fruits, which one of these characteristics of King Jesus do you want to grow in my life? Which one do you want to focus on for this next season, however long this may be? For those of you that are married, which one of these characteristics of Jesus do you want to grow in our marriage? For those of you that are parents, which one of these do you want to grow in our family, in our relationship with our children? And you know, as I've been praying this prayer myself, what the Holy Spirit through beautiful conviction has revealed in my heart is that he wants to grow joy in my life. With the Holy Spirit, he's been showing me some of my blind spots. And what I didn't realize is over the last three years, I feel like I've had the joy beat out of me. And in response, what's replaced it has been cynicism, anger, defeat, even bitterness at times. And as the Holy Spirit has been revealing my blind spots in my own time in the Word, I've been slowly going through the book of Acts and what he's showing me is that the early apostles, man, they suffered. But the early apostles suffered with an unshakable joy, not because of their circumstances, but because of the presence of Jesus that was now there as a result of the cross of Jesus. Holy Spirit, which one of these characteristics of Jesus do you want to grow in my heart? Do you want to grow in our family? And with that, that leads me to our last villain. Growing up unleashes Jesus' kingdom. Growing up unleashes Jesus' kingdom. What was going to change the city of Corinth was going to be a mature church. What is going to change our culture today is a community, is a united community of spiritual grown-ups. Because as we see in our passages, what it means to be spiritually mature, what it means to be a spiritual grown-up is to be an imperfect people who are under the authority, who are under the leading of a perfect Holy Spirit and therefore are being led to experience transformation at the core of our character to resemble our beautiful King Jesus. The fruit of God's Spirit in our lives is the light that cuts the darkness of a broken and sinful culture. It is the light that cuts through the dark and reveal the truth of who Jesus is. And again, if we want our world, our nation, our state, our communities, our families, our places of work to change, it starts in our hearts. And when the Holy Spirit is unleashed, there is nothing that can hold it back. 
You know, recently I was reading through a book written by a man named Elliot Clark. And Elliot Clark has been with his family a cross-cultural church planter in Central Asia. And in one specific chapter of his book, Evangelism as Exiles, he talks about how they spent a lot of time in this particular apartment building in Central Asia. And in that, their family developed a deep friendship with their Muslim neighbor, a uh, mother named Asmin and her three children. And throughout their time living there, they began to share life with Asmin and her family. Their kids would play together. They would share holidays. They would visit them on the Muslim holidays. Asmin and her family would come over at times like Christmas. They would share multiple meals, multiple conversations. They would share faith as Asmin would talk about the Muslim faith, as they would share Jesus and his scripture with them. And he writes that one day, his wife went to the hospital where Asmin worked in the urology department. And Asmin told his wife, hey, come up and say hi to me. And as she did, this is what happens there in your note sheet. Asmin introduced my wife as her American neighbor and friend and as a Christian. Now let's stop right there. This is already unique, right? Here is an American missionary in Central Asia, being introduced by her Muslim friends to her Muslim co-workers and being outed and declared as a Christian. And Asmin goes on, however, she quickly gave one important caveat, not the kind of Christian you think. What kind of Christian do you think they were thinking of? What kind of Christian do you think our culture thinks of? And I didn't put it there, but Asmin begins to proudly share with her co-workers that they were compassionate, that they were faithful to one another in their marriage, that they were warm and kind, that they loved their children and invested in them. And Elliot writes, we were Christians, yes, but we were actually people of good character. We were neighbors that they could trust. And so what is this story? An example of the gospel moving forward. The character of Jesus broke barriers. The character of Jesus over superseded significant differences. The character of Jesus took back territory from the enemy. The growing up unleashes Jesus' kingdom. And so as you go before the Lord, the prayer I would invite you to pray is, Holy Spirit, who in my life, where in my life are you leading me to reflect your character? Who in my life are you leading me to be an imperfect but growing reflection of the character of our beautiful King Jesus? The Holy Spirit is inviting you to grow up because the Holy Spirit is inviting you to experience God's kingdom being unleashed through you and through your transformed character. And so as we transition out of this time of teaching, I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And as they do that, I gave you three truths as well as three 
ways to pray. But my heart isn't necessarily that you go before the Lord in these next 24 hours and pray all three. My heart is that you would allow the Holy Spirit to show you which one of the three is the focus. Which one of the three is the catalyst? Which one of the three is the foundation for this next series? And so as we go into this time of worship, my invitation to you is that this would be the time in which you say, Holy Spirit, which one of these three do you want my eyes on? Which one of these three do you want my heart in? Which one of these three do you want to bring a beautiful conviction to? Which one of these three is where you want to get to work? And maybe that'll be through singing and declaring the song. Maybe that'll be through staying seated and just being in a posture of listening and receiving. Maybe during this time that's in a different posture I didn't name, regardless of what it is, let this be a time in which we as the community of God say, Holy Spirit, speak because your people are listening. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I want to begin by thanking you. I want to begin by thanking, thanking what you represent. That you being in my heart, you being in our hearts is a declaration that we have been bought by the blood of Jesus. Is a declaration that we are no longer defined by sin, darkness, by brokenness, that sin does not get the final word of Jesus, but final word in our lives, but Jesus the cross does. I want to thank you that you are a declaration of life now as well as life for all of eternity. I want to thank you that you are a declaration that we are no longer called to be mere human beings, but we are called to live in this epic vision called the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, I do not want to grow numb to who you are and what you represent. And so therefore, we show gratitude. And as well, we show and respect your authority. Holy Spirit, lead us through your word. Lead us as we understand more of the cross of Jesus. Holy Spirit, speak in a renewed way as your church. We say speak because we are here to listen. Holy Spirit, we ask that you bring, bring conviction because it's going to lead us to repentance. Holy Spirit, we ask that you bring light where there is dark in our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask that you bring sight where there are blind spots. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would remove assumptions and fill it with truth. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bring the hope and grace and power of Jesus where there is guilt and shame. Holy Spirit, we ask that you bring the transformation that the cross began that you would continue to prepare us for the solid food, for the good work ahead. Holy Spirit, we pray as your church that we would declare not in the negative, not in shame, but in joy. It is time to grow up. And we thank you that that work is done through you. And so as we sing this last song, this is our declaration. Lead us, Holy Spirit, because your people are listening. And it's in your name. We, it's in the name of King Jesus we all said, amen.